Welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the subpar, mediocre at best podcast about being a new dad. Hey, hey, welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the completely unconventional, unscripted, and pretty mediocre and sleep deprived podcast about being a dad and learning from parents and people and people who've been there and done that. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Um, we're getting the time in which we're recording this. Things are starting to creep up closer to the beginning of school time. So we're figuring what that looks like and all of that. So, but yeah, overall, pretty good. Um, I can't imagine what all that looks like. It's a lot. Um, sometimes it keeps me up at night. Well. Oh, come on. You missed it. I. I, I saw what you did there. It was like a an alley-oop, but I forgot to oh, jump. Oh, come on. I saw the ball go over my head. Yeah, you know. No, it does keep you up at night. But today, though, we're, we're very fortunate to have a guest that's going to give us um, six pointers to uh, make sure that our little ones are sleeping. Yeah. And I'm very yeah. excited about that, um, especially because it's kind of been, um, I think, I think Tuck's been a pretty good sleeper outside of the debate of, do we get up and give him his binky when he loses it, or do we let him, you know, try and find it? Which we're gonna, we're which, gonna, we're gonna get there. Which we will, and and I think there's a lot of parents that are listening that probably want to learn the same. But what I'm really like looking forward to learning right now is um, your dad joke you came okay. came with. So, um, what do you call a guy who eats a person slowly? Oh, I don't know. A cannibal. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I was like, like, I was trying to come up with something like really witty, and no, then I was like, no, just it's a cannibal. I like that. It's like those trivia games where like everything's just so hard, and then they ask you a question of like, the answer is Chicago Cubs, and like I don't know. We we're playing a game um, called Link It. Have you played that game? No. And you you get. Five points on the first word, and then if you get down to the fifth word, you get one point. So it gets easier, but you get less points. And somehow you have to figure out what the link is. So you're oh. hearing all these things where you're like, English philosophizers from the 1600s, no. Um, islands in the Mediterranean, I don't know. And then like the answer is like, Steven Seagal. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway... <laughs> For like an hour and a half, because Monday nights through this whole COVID bit has been game night. Yeah, that's game night. Um, we're just struggling, struggling. They're all super hard. And I get, I'm I'm reading the card, and I'm like, Chicago Cubs. So everyone just starts guessing, like, just, the answer, after all five, no one got this, teams in Major League Baseball. Oh. It was like the like so obvious, so like, obvious. But after we're like calling out like Italian seasonings and French, like <laughs> wait, is this like a board game? No, this is like a a, a one card kind of like short. No, there's no board um, or anything, but it's just you read a card, you go around, and then you just tally up the points. Hmm. It's fun. It's fun, and it really makes you think. And what's more entertaining though is where people's guesses come from. Yeah, but you know, people are guessing like Chicago Cubs. Um, so like someone goes, um, National League Baseball team. Well, that's not right. Why? Because it's Major League Baseball team. 
Oh. And the teams that were listed were NL and AL. And so then people are trying to go like... Oh, well, that's a technicality. Same owners, same this, and the answer is Major League Baseball teams. So anyway, good joke. <laughs> I like that. I'm like overthinking. I'm like, I don't... I don't... Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. I also like this drink you made us. Thank you. Thank you. Um. So I'm super pumped because you supplied... Um, the main ingredient for this one. I sure did. Yeah, you. It took you a little while, actually. It was hard to find it. So, uh, what do we have? We have the Terramana. Um, did I leave the bottle? I left it up. Yeah, it's left it out of out of the speakeasy. Terramana uh, tequila, the Rocks uh, brand of tequila. It's delightful. Small yeah. batch tequila has some uh, light. Um, like oak and vanilla uh, notes to it, so it really adds. And then you spruced it up, you know, with the drinks with dude on this one. Yeah, so um, we made a blueberry syrup. Um, and actually, this was this syrup was used um, for something completely not related to cocktails last night. It was part of dessert, mm. and um, which was not shared while the, recording this. Yeah, and Kimberly was like, "Hmm, you could probably." put that in a cocktail so it is a mixture of blueberries um i used frozen actually just because that's what we had um blueberries grand marnier just like that our orange liqueur and um lemon a little bit of powdered sugar not a ton but a little bit and some vanilla extract actually put all of that in a blender and made the syrup and so i think the reason it it works really well um with this tequila is that like it pulls out some of that like vanilla oakiness of tequila which isn't necessarily always a prominent sort of flavor um so we did the syrup and then we added a little bit of um lemon juice to it and then topped it off with a little bit of soda water um it makes it this beautiful, which you made yes yeah it makes it this beautiful like purpley kind of color and it was great and as a non-tequila drinker made it very um easy to drink yeah and it it, it it's nothing like a margarita Mm-mm. no right like because that's i feel like everyone's go-to they that's the only thing that you can do with tequila yeah and that's that's not true i don't know I feel like that's everybody's go-to, though. Is yeah, and you you found a great way, and that was delightful. So thank you. So also, side note, um, I mean, I wish I knew The Rock personally. Obviously, I don't. Um, but he actually seems like like a hell of a dad too. Like I felt like some sense of pressure where I was like, man, like this has got to represent well because like he really seems like somebody. He's always like posting about his kids. And, yeah. Like. All that sort of stuff. So, like, my, like, hope among hopes would be that, like, he'd be like, whoa, that's cool. Because I feel like what we sort of do and talk about in terms of, like, dads and families and um, parenting and things, at least from uh, a very outside perspective, seems like something that he, like, would kind of be into. So I felt this, like, real obligation. Plus, he's cool. Yeah. And maybe one day he could come onto here. Yeah. Yeah. 
if uh, his career goes down the tubes. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to, and like... He, they, you know, he stops doing blockbuster films and Ford commercials and everything. Yeah. He could just come on onto this podcast. Yeah, he's going to have to, like, hit pretty solid rock bottom. I don't think The Rock has a bottom. <laughs> uh, I'm full of them today. I almost went with a leg joke yeah. about being a great bottom, but I stopped there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would have been appropriate too, though. It would have been. Yeah. But what's appropriate, though, right now for me, as someone who has a nine-month-old, is to talk about sleep. Mm-hmm. And who better than our guest today? Yeah. I hear you, you've been getting some good sleep. I have been. Got 10 hours last night. It was fantastic. When's the last time that happened? Before I was married. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that may be a little extreme, but you have to admit, probably not. I'm I'm actually being serious. Um, Nine months ago? That surely has not. Before he was born. Even the nights I've been away from home, I still get up. Because of phantom cries. Oh, yeah. Or I wake up at the time in which he typically was getting up at that time. So I'm very much looking forward to today's guest. She's awesome. So we're very honored today to have someone that is just going to lay down so much important teaching today on um, how we can get our kiddos to sleep better because that was my biggest fear going into fatherhood and so i'm very excited today not only to have a guest that knows something that i've been scared about the most in fatherhood but someone that through the interwebs and through this podcast who i haven't talked to since high school but we uh connected i'm so excited to have katie um demonico she is a pediatric sleep consultant registered nurse and a mom of three joining us via zoom on this episode. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is glad to be here. I'm one glad because I haven't seen you since when we were in high school. Um, I felt like that was the best way. Cause now that yeah. I think about like when yeah. we were in high school to like now being in 2020 in the COVID years, um, I feel even <laughs> is older. Like, is that like the reboot of the wonder years? TV show? Well, if, you, if, if you think about it, right. I graduated in Oh four. From mm-hmm. high school. You owe five? Oh five. Oh five, yeah. right? So we're now fifteen, sixteen years removed from high school and lived through a pandemic. Actually, um Doesn't to, that make it feel like yeah, thirty we're, years? We're old. And <laughs> right. to to just like pull it back just slightly, and I think we talked about this on another episode. If not, I don't remember what we record and what we don't, but um we were just having a conversation about um you're so old that or we are so old that um, it used to actually be known as the Facebook. Yes. And you used to have to have a college, uh, you know, college email address to get on there. Not every college was on. And so we're really, uh, we're creeping up there. Um, speaking of just, well, I, I was, I had a good segue in my head and it involved creeping up there, but I lost it. So here, here's where I'm so excited to have, have you join us today, Katie. Um, the last two nights, our little guy, who's nine months old, let us sleep through the entire night. And it has felt so good. But it's two nights out of like a month. And so I'm excited. You've come guns blazing with six tips that all parents of kids from a certain age, and I'll let you kind of tee it all up. 
um, should follow for healthier sleep patterns. Um, so let's just jump right in. All right. Sounds good. Um, so I'm glad that you've had two nights of sleep. Um, it's like the peak of baby sleep is when they sleep through the night, right? Yeah. Peak of parenthood there. Um, so first tip is an early bedtime. Um, most babies and kids should actually be asleep between 7 and 8 p.m., sometimes even earlier, as early as between 6 and 6.30. Um, newborns will be on the later side, so they might not be till like 9 or 10 p.m., um, but most kids will fall in that 7 to 8 p.m. category. So just for my kids, for example, I have a four-month-old. He goes to bed between 7 and 8. Not as strict of a schedule since his nap schedule is, you know, different. Um, my two-and-a-half-year-old goes to bed at 7, and then my four-year-old goes to bed at 7.45. So benefits the kids that they can get a full 11 to 13 hours of sleep. Benefits the parents because then you have the evening to yourself to clean your house, watch a show, have a glass of wine, whatever you want to do. Um, so it's multi-beneficial to have that early bedtime. I, I want to tell um, you that we're splitting the difference at 7.30. That's Good. perfect. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, we're, we're right in because you said 7 or 8, and it's like 7.30. Um, also, before we get like too deep into this, um, yeah. and you, you did sort of – allude to this but this this is actually not only is it timely i feel like this in full disclosure is a 100 percent selfishly driven conversation for the dude or for the dad ass for me yeah like this is just <laughs> i have feared <laughs> sleep and lack thereof for me and a ha uh, like healthy amount for him but my biggest fear was teething and sleeping, which we're in right yes. now. So and this, they come together. You are you you are you are right. Like this is fate. Yeah. Let alone to catch up with someone I haven't seen in years, but who right. is <laughs> lives and sleeps she's, she's, in this field. Uh, I see what you did there. Um, okay. Yes. No, actually, I have a question. I don't know if this is true or not, and I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say that I saw something that indicated that parents will remain basically like in some level of de deprivation of sleep until like children are like two and a half or three years old. Is that true? I think that depends on your kid. And if you have, I don't want to say a good sleeper because any kid can be a good sleeper. Um, but if, you know, if, they stay a bad sleeper and you don't do any interventions to help them. And they're not, you know, just those unicorn babies that sleep through the night at six weeks. Um, I think that's probably very true. And sometimes even well beyond that two years, um, there's many toddlers that, you know, will get up out of their bed a bunch of times during the night and even older kids that, you know, come in their parents' rooms at 5 AM. So. Yeah. I, I, I like that you said the intervention. <laughs> part. I don't know. Like yes. as an adult, I don't, I don't really think about like having to intervene with my sleep a lot. Now, granted, I also like, and I know we're going to talk about some of like the sleep routine things as a, a counselor. I often talk to parents about the importance of sleep and those sorts of things. Um, and Absolutely. you know, other than telling them like you need to have a sleep routine or a bedtime routine, you know, after that, I'm like, I, <laughs> I got nothing. Um, right. But yeah, like, I feel like I hear top people talk about their kids and babies and they're like, Oh, well, you know, 
so-and-so is such a good sleeper and then someone else is like oh so-and-so isn't but i feel like that it gets talked about in a way where like people sort of speak like it's there's nothing you can do about it like oh they're either a good sleeper or they're not and you just have to sort of deal with it um right and that's not true and it's not true no and there's some kids that will naturally be great sleepers from the beginning um but most if you can lay down that foundation in that first couple months it will head off you know all the problems in the future like I say, if you can follow these six tips from the beginning, you won't ever need somebody like me. Um, and it's never too late to change, you know, your sleep problems, like with your kids. Like I work through, um, typically through age six, but even, you know, older kids than that. Sorry, my four-year-old just walked in the room and was staring at me. Um, well, that's awesome. No worries. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's never too late to change anything. A lot of times you're just in survival mode with a new baby and you're just doing whatever works, whatever you can to get sleep for yourself and sleep for them. So you might pick up some, you know, quote unquote, bad habits along the way that you can undo. It just takes a little bit of effort, but all kids can be good sleepers. It just sometimes takes more effort than others. My, uh, my trick was um, a glass of wine right after dinner <laughs> for me. Oh. You said you got to do what baby. you got to do to survive. <laughs> I thought you meant for talk. No, no. <laughs> um, you just give him a whole glass and then he's out for the night. The whole night. He's just out. He doesn't even know he has teeth now. <laughs> it's been so numb. Um, it's It's been great. We were so fortunate. Um, I mean, he, we had to get up every so often to feed him. Um, of course. Not, not, not uh, anymore. And... Um, I think one of the things that we were very fortunate about was he didn't want to sleep in a bassinet very long. And mm-hmm. um, one night he was so fussy. Uh, I want to say he was like a month old, maybe six weeks old. And um, we just said, you know what? Let's try putting him in his crib. And we've not looked back. That's awesome. And and so um, he knows. I mean, there's sometimes where he kind of fights it. That if he goes into his room, into his crib, it's it's not it's nap time. It's time to sleep. Um, yep. And and I'm sure that's something that really is is helpful. Yeah. So that actually brings us exactly to point um, tip number two is to put your child in the same place every night and for naps. So um, whether you share a room with your baby still or they share a room with a sibling whether they're in that bassinet, crib, pack and play, you know, wherever they sleep, as long as it's the same place, it's a familiar place to them um, that reassures them that they're safe, that they're in a place where sleep is expected of them. So he knows when he gets in his crib that that's what you're, you know, you expect him to do is lay down and take a nap or go to bed. It's not time to play, you know, time to be crazy. So um, using that special space just for sleep is really important to have that expectation and and it's kind of the same for us as adults too in a way because they they say you know it's i mean you know this better and you would know science about this more than i would um even just going into your bed as adults to read or be on your phone really slow like not tricks your mind but doesn't prepare you fully to sleep in bed yeah i remember reading an article that pretty much said leave your bed for sleeping Yep. And reading yep. everything else can be outside of the room. 
And um, exactly up until I was married and then married and had a, a baby, I used to be able to fall asleep within like a minute once I hit the bed. So I can only imagine what that does for um, a little one to a six year old. Yeah, no, um, right. that's that's like also in the scope of my very, very tiny range of like when a parent says to me, how do I help with this sleep thing? Other than saying you need to talk to a sleep specialist or something like that um, is to um, like don't read in bed. A lot of times mm-hmm. I feel like um, parents will like read stories and all that sort of stuff. And um, and maybe I'm advocating totally wrong and you can totally be like, no, this is totally fine. But I've always sort of advocated that like if they're going to read, you should absolutely read to your child's side note. Um, but if you're going to read that, find like a spot to read. And then when you feel tired, get into bed. Um, absolutely. So I don't know. Is it okay to read to them until they fall asleep in bed? Is it better for them to read until they feel tired and then get in bed? Does it actually really even matter? Well, I think if you're just doing like one or two stories and they're in their bed, that's okay as part of your routine. Um, but like for us, we have a big recliner in each of our kids' rooms and that's where we sit and read books together and then they go in their bed to sleep. Um, but I think for like a younger kid, if you were just going to do one or two, you know, just nighttime stories, I think that's okay. But um, otherwise, yeah, beds should be for sleeping while they're, you know, younger in age. Absolutely. I wish I could tell you that I follow that myself, but I actually, uh, <laughs> my sleep routine is to fall asleep while reading neuroscience textbooks. Um, which it turns out those will put you to bed real quickly. I'm sure they will. It's awesome. <laughs> I have this ability again, pre uh, tuck that I could, my, my head could hit the pillow and I fall asleep. I've fallen asleep and it's bitten me in the butt while Heather was talking to me in bed <laughs> because I, I trained my brain. Now part of it's because I get up at four um, to, to wow. teach my, my uh, spin classes. But um, I had no problem. I can lay down and sleep at any point, but it took me a long time to build that up as an adult while I tried to switch to a healthier lifestyle, better sleep, being more physically active, getting up earlier. So I can only imagine what that does for a little one. For example, I always use Tuck. Um, he's teething, and he's learning now how to pick himself up. Mm-hmm. And he just learned how to crawl. So standing on his own and crawling all happened within, I, well, the standing up was literally yesterday. Um, and crawling was about a week ago. So, I mean, he's he's working harder than he ever has. So his sleep and eating and everything's shifting. So I can only imagine the importance of here's your bed, here's the way you lay, and, and setting same position, setting that early bedtime, how important that is um, for them to rest and grow. Yeah. And speaking of those big milestones, a lot of parents will complain about sleep regressions at different ages. And while the four month sleep regression is very real and it has to do with sleep cycles changing, a lot of other regressions in sleep have to do with those big milestones. So you said he's starting to pull himself up now and doesn't want to lay in bed because he's practicing. They're always practicing that new milestone it's something that they can do when they want to do it um so those can definitely affect sleep temporarily when they when they learn how to do those big new skills now let me ask you while while we're on this this the second point um because i've never really met anyone that that um is in your field why is it that i sleep 
on the same side looking out my door, but then in the hotel room, I sleep on the other side, but I'm still facing the door. Is that a real oh, thing? Oh, yeah. That's a really good question, actually. I don't or is that a know, myth? but if you think about that a hotel is a new environment for you and it's not your familiar sleep space, that you know it's going to be different for you. And a lot of people don't even sleep as well when they travel because it's not their familiar safe space. I um, I've often wondered, and I feel like I was having this conversation at some point with someone, um, but I always seem to lay on whatever side is letting me see out the door. Hmm. So I didn't know if that was like a real thing or not. I don't know. Might just be your personal preference. That could be. That could be. I know. I know that some believe, because um, Heather was saying this. She goes, "I don't care what sides you sleep on, but you are between the door and me." Like, Roger that. <laughs> now, like Kimberly, if, if we go someplace, so I can protect her if someone broke in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Kimberly likes like I don't like to be between her and the bathroom because she gets up in the middle of the night. Oh. If we sleep in a hotel now, our bed now, like in our our actual bedroom, it's a straight shot for either one of us. Um, but yeah, like that's a disruptive thing. You know, the counselor in me is like, hmm, I wonder if like you're. Here's the downside of me talking next to him because then he starts thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll probably have to talk at some point about your childhood and perhaps maybe some mention. Yeah. No, Katie's gonna be like, I'm never coming back on. He's gonna start psychoanalyzing me too. So we have early bedtime, same position every night. Um, This is fascinating. Lead lead us to point three. We're excited. All right. So predictable bedtime routine. So um, consistency, predictability, those are really important, especially to toddlers, Um, but babies as well because they recognize, you know, what's happening. So. It teaches them to know what to expect at bedtime, and then it's much easier for them to make the transition from being awake to sleep. So even from an adult standpoint, we don't, we're not sitting on the couch and we don't just jump up and run to our bed and lay down and go to sleep. We have, you know, our own routines. We brush our teeth, change our clothes, wash our face, whatever we're going to do. So it's the same with them. You can't just, you know, toss them in their bed and expect them to know that it's time for bed. So um, it's important to keep it relatively the same every night so that they come to expect that Um, especially if you don't have a bedtime routine and you're starting to implement one keeping it very consistent for the first few weeks um, will be really beneficial Um, I don't recommend that the bedtime routine takes longer than 30 to 45 minutes because then you're just dragging it on and it's not really a routine anymore it's just this long period of time but um it's the same as the um, same place every night. It's an ex- expectation of them. You know, we take a bath, we put on our pajamas, you know, we might have a bottle or a nurse story, then go to bed. So they have this predictability and this expectation of what's going to happen next to help them wind down and know that it's time for sleep. I, I also wonder, so like predictability is good for kids in all sort of facets of their life. Um, but I wonder if, going along with that predictability piece um like sometimes i could see people being like we're gonna have like this great grand elaborate sort of routine because it's gonna help you like i'll miss your pillow with lavender three times and brush your hair 100 and like i don't know i'm making this up but um 
in that sort of like big elaborate thing in well intending but then like you start it and then you're like uh, well you know what like maybe maybe not tonight maybe i'm not gonna do like the hair or you know whatever um so like picking something that you can consistently sort of do right right yes um, absolutely um and it should be pretty simple you don't want it to be you know too elaborate like that especially if you have a baby, if it consists of, you know, making 27 laps around your house while bouncing them and replacing the passing 37 times, like that's not the kind of bedtime routine that you want. You want it to be reproducible. So if you have a babysitter or a grandparent, you know, putting your child to bed, they can do it too. It might be slightly different, but they can do it too. And your child has those same, you know, expectations of what's about to happen, even though it's not, you know, mom or dad. I know I probably would have thought about this at some point as a parent, but I didn't think about it until I heard you say it. Easy enough that if grandma and grandpa or a babysitter were to put put him or her to sleep. Yeah. I, I, I it, it wasn't anything profound you just said, but I find it so <laughs> profound because I didn't think about like, no, I think it's totally profound. And actually as someone who used to like babysit kids and stuff, um, I don't know. Did you ever babysit? I did. Okay. I yeah. did. I, I'm. Did you ever get? Did you ever get instructions on like a, a sleep routine? I never did. No, I didn't either. So like, I'm now. This is like. That's pro tip. why I, I had to like, work extra hard putting the little sh people to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. But like, maybe that's something that if you're gonna be out past your child's bedtime, you need to sort of right out in that, some way that's that's i never thought us. about that until right now you know because it, it's not like every night we're giving you know he he doesn't have to brush his teeth even though we did just find out his checkup the doctor goes before bed in the evening start just rubbing his mouth so he knows that in the evening you you're going to start doing more um things and get him prepared for that so hearing what you just said just blew my mind because now it's kind of like, all right, like we don't have a terrible sleep schedule, um, like pre-bed routine. I mean, our lives are a little weird because we're not taking them anywhere and, and we're, right. we're, we're staying inside more with him now than we would like to, but we also don't want to take him out anywhere. And so with, <laughs> no. with that being said, though, when we start thinking of a routine when he's just a little bit older and we're going to start going out, we do need to start thinking about what's going to be easy and manageable for grandma and grandpa or our little neighbor who's going to watch him. You know, I now let that, me add that was, that was worth the price of admission <laughs> and we still have like four more points or three more. Now, this is awesome. Now, before we move on, I just want to, I just want to ask this. So, um, usually it's right around seven forty-five Um, every night I get a text from, um matt and it's just this cute little selfie it's it's him and tuck and they've got these little like moisturizing masks on <laughs> and you know one time and, <laughs> <laughs> so like that probably isn't like a good thing right like nope <laughs> matt, no father son um facial yeah moisturizing they probably shouldn't be doing nightly mask treatments together i mean no judgment what what's in your routine no he judgment. does have all this skin <laughs> it's really funny last night um, <laughs> sidetrack and then we'll get back to your next point I have this new facial wash that I do in the evening 
because it was it was at Giant Eagle on clearance, and I was like, oh, I've always wanted to try Duke Cannon, and so anyway, oh, yeah. I'm doing it. I go I go into Heather last night. She's like sleeping, and I go feel my face. It's so so smooth. She goes like a baby's butt, and I go yeah, and we see it a lot during the day, so we know how smooth a baby's butt is. This you know what's true. you know what's weird though that wash that you're using yeah. it, it didn't get the stuff on your upper lip oh the mustache <laughs> he's making fun of me okay. all right you just blew my mind hit hit us with some more what's point what what are we at four all right number four so put your baby to bed awake so hmm. this is probably like the single most important takeaway from any of these is to put your baby to bed awake and. For me, when I first started my sleep consultant training and journey, like this was the hardest thing because it seems unnatural. Like you rock your baby to sleep and then you put them to bed. Like, why would you put them down awake? That sounds terrifying. But if you rock or feed or bounce your baby to sleep, if they wake up in the middle of the night, they're going to need to be fed or rocked or bounced back to sleep. And we all wake up in the middle of the night. Um, you know, we wake up three to five times a night, roll over in bed, fix the blankets. You may remember it. You may not. Um, so babies do the same thing. But if you're always putting them down when they're already asleep, they're going to be waking up in an unfamiliar environment. Hey, my mom or dad's not here. They were holding me before. I better cry and let them know that I need to be, you know, held and rocked and fed back to sleep. So if you can put your baby to bed awake and they can learn to fall asleep themselves, um, that's really the key to them sleeping through the night they learn how to self-soothe a little bit yes exactly this this one um this one i thought about um because you shared with us the uh the list uh beforehand uh this is one that we don't do we sometimes let him fall asleep on us but what we have i think kind of been doing is he'll wind down with us and when we start to see his sign, which usually is, it, it, he's not rubbing his eyes. It looks like he's trying to pull his eyeballs out um, because, I mean, like he's really in there. Um, then we've kind of been letting him go. And just in the last okay. probably three weeks now, um, mainly because we were scared to let him sleep like on his side and stomach until his pediatrician said, well, if he's strong enough to get on his stomach, he's strong enough to get off um, if he's right. in trouble. So now when he rubs his eyes, we'll we'll take him up before he's falling asleep, which hearing from you, I'm I'm glad we're doing that now. Uh, what's funny yeah. is we'll lay him on his side. He'll kind of open his eyes and then just roll over on his side and then stick his his butt up. And then he like smushes his face in the bed and then sticks his butt up uncomfortably. But he sleeps like that. Like a little triangle. Yeah. Yes. The butt in the air is a very, you know popular way for babies to sleep <laughs> i tried it it's uncomfortable my back hurts not, yeah not for an adult yeah yeah for... i'm getting old like just uncomfortable i tried to stuff in a pillow underneath too just didn't do it no but th- th- that that makes so much sense and um we were fortunate that a lot of times even early on he would go back to sleep very easily but there were times where we had to go and um, me in particular have to like hold him like kind of tight and he'd get real comfortable then in my arms and then fall asleep mm-hmm. and I put him back down and then he'd start to cry again. Oh, I feel yep, like this exactly. leads to our next point actually. And, and so this blows my mind. 
wait, I don't remember this point, but if that's a good segue. It really is, isn't isn't it? <laughs> what to do when your baby. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So um, when your baby wakes up during the night, I recommend waiting a few minutes before you go in and respond to them. So ideally 10 minutes. Um, you know, if a baby's crying, sometimes that's hard for, you know, a parent to deal with. But if you can wait 10 minutes, um before going in, like I said, we all wake up several times a night, babies and adults. Um, and babies usually will immediately fuss or cry when they wake up. But you have to give them a chance to fall back asleep and do it on their own. And if they're used to going to sleep while they're awake, they'll be able to do it within a few minutes. But like I said, if they've always been rocked or nursed or however they fall asleep at bedtime, that's how they're going to be expected to fall asleep in the middle of the night. So that's why some babies, you know, they can be six months old. The mom's like, well, they still feed every three hours because that's how they fall asleep. So um, if you can wait those 10 minutes, give them the opportunity to fall back asleep on their own. And then if they don't, then go in and do, you know, what you need to do to comfort them. I um, I think this is one thing that, that, we were so tired when we weren't sleeping early on that we were like the hell with it. Let's go and fix it. Hold them, check on them. And I like the 10 minute rule. Like we've done that when we put him to sleep and he starts crying, we'll wait 10 minutes or so. Or how I always said it, I like to let him kind of like panic cry. Because then when I go up mm-hmm. and flip him over, he like exhausted himself in a sense and would fall asleep. Because mm. like when he started moving around, he'd like get his arm kind of like in the gate. I mean, if it got yeah. really brutal crying, I went up. I don't want you or anyone listening to think like <laughs> I tortured her son. But like if he'd cry, I'd be like, all right, let's let's let him cry. And then if he got a little bit worse, it was like, ah. But where I've struggled, and, and Heather and I have had numerous conversations and when he loses his binky in the middle of the night, is that a wait 10 minute then? Or like, what what would you recommend? Because we're kind of like, I just want to go back to sleep. So here's your binky. But he also doesn't know right. how to reach for it now. So you're, <laughs> you're right that you just want to do what's easiest because you just want to go back to sleep. You know, you want to do what's quickest. Um, but... Does he use the binky to fall asleep for his naps and bedtime? No, because, you know, sometimes when he falls asleep, he spits it out. But it's like... But he's asleep when he spits it out. Yeah. So you guys just have to decide what you want to do. So my recommendation, if you want to sleep through the night, is to ditch the binky for sleep altogether. He can have it during the day when he's awake. But um, it's what we call a sleep prep. So it's something external that he needs to fall asleep. Um, that's not independent sleep skills. So, and the older he gets, the harder it'll be to take away. So the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, recommends that you start weaning it at six months so that it's gone altogether by 12 months. Um, so just something that you guys would have to decide on, but that would be, you are blowing my mind today. <laughs> so like, if I'm understanding that's, this correctly, that's a good thought though. Basic, yeah. If he's full. So basically, I can go sit outside and think about this. <laughs> <laughs> what you're, if I'm totally understanding and I don't mean like 
I don't mean this in like a cruel way, but like if it's about me, it's cruel. No, 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 really, it's not. <laughs> what what we're not sort of thinking about is giving him this sort of like external you call the sleep prop, right? Uh-huh. Um, during the day, and then in the evening time, kind of hoping or expecting him like not to sort of need it, and that's not right. like you know so like you're you're just sort of like unintentionally like all day during the day reinforcing that sort of behavior cuz it's there and that's what's sort of happening and then you can't like in the middle of the night be like no so if he's gotten it during the day then i guess heather's right you should go give it to him right my head hurts yeah. <laughs> so this is me publicly model, acknowledging you know? that I think Heather might be right on this one. She probably is. She usually is. What, what, were, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Oh, but it's the same. It's it's okay. It's the same thing as like if they fed to sleep. If you know they fell asleep either nursing or with a bottle, they wake up in the middle of the night. That's how they want to fall back asleep because that's how they know to fall back asleep. So if he's used to falling asleep with his pacifier, he wakes up in the middle of the night. He needs his pacifier to fall back asleep. Oh man! So, so now I need to start training him on nights without the with, without his binky. Ugh. Oh no! I'm so so glad that my dogs don't need any of those while, things. While I'm trying to decrease my caffeine intake, <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna buy stock and bangs and raise um, energy drinks, which is probably it'll not, only take, not good. It'll only take him a couple nights. He'll be okay. It'll be okay. You want to sleep over? <laughs> nope. <laughs> we'll take shifts. Oh, actually, that's, you, you that's, know I would. That's great advice. No, that's that's awesome. That's a great tip. My mind is just blown, uh, like three times now. This is just yeah. This is gold. Um, she's gonna charge you afterwards. She hasn't said that part yet, but she's gonna be like, "Here's the bill." Like I thought, I came for a podcast. Instead, I'm just diagnosing your this problems is, at home. This is a consultation session. What did I get looped into? <laughs> oh, okay. So that was that was the um, the fifth one. What? Yep. What is the sixth tip that you have? All right. So the last one would be to keep um, night feedings low key. So if you have a newborn. Even those first few months, you know, it's completely normal and expected that you're going to be up a few times to feed the baby. Um, You know, so whether it's a newborn or even older baby, you want to keep it as unstimulating as possible. So when they wake up, don't turn on any lights. You want the light to be the least you could possibly need. Keep the room dark. Don't interact and, you know, be all baby talk with them and stuff. You just want to keep it super simple, feed and back to sleep. And then to go along with the other two previous tips, you don't want them to fall asleep while they're feeding because you want to put them back in their crib awake so that they don't associate falling asleep with feeding. You want them to be able to put themselves to sleep. So if you can do all those things, you would never need to hire a sleep consultant like me. (laughs) Your baby would be a great sleeper. (laughs) Um, I never thought about kids falling asleep while feeding until just recently i've seen like two two or three people just on facebook the facebook um post pictures of their child passed out in their high chair i didn't think that was a thing Mm. i just saw someone like earlier today too i I didn't think that was a thing like tuck when he was go ahead 
Oh no, I think that's an overtired child if they're in their high chair falling asleep. I think yeah, passed I think out. They need a nap sooner. <laughs> forehead, yeah. forehead down. Um, like Tuck, Tuck occasionally would fall asleep during feedings um, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, which I could kind of see being middle of the night. I mean, there's times where I get up in the middle of the night and I'm not really awake. I don't go eat, go to the bathroom, but like. <laughs> Um, Sometimes I hit up the fridge. You know, why not? But that's also, you know, why I'm rocking the dad bod. So it's cool. <laughs> um, but it's a great dad bod. <laughs> um, but that, that makes sense, though, too, because um, there was a lot of thoughts that I had. Here we go. I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> but also, there's got to be a little something like, I think sometimes Tuck gets the most angriest after he eats last in the evening. Like it hurts more in the stomach or he's more mm. gassy. So outside of the stimulation that you were talking about and, and, and working the kids up, it's probably also internally a way to like, you know, we don't need to overfeed or bring out too much food because we're also going to be working them up inside that could, um, give some internal factors of not wanting to go to sleep. <laughs> Right, absolutely. And you don't want them to be dependent on it to fall asleep. Yeah. All right. So oh, here's I like that. Here's my question. Yes. So at what point does a parent like when should a parent start thinking about like, you know, this is like out of hand or like this is something that needs to sort of like when when do we when do we call in a, a consultant a sleep consultant like. Clearly you have a bunch of knowledge and it's incredibly helpful and all that sort of stuff. But like, is there something that you can sort of like, I don't know, when do you, when do you call in for reinforcements? And I know that's different for sort of everyone, but like right. as a general. So, um, it's, it's really up to the parents. So everybody has a different tolerance level of how sleep deprived they can, you know, handle. So usually by the time they've reached out to me, they're pretty, I don't want to say desperate, but they're, you know, they're extremely exhausted. So I think it's just a tolerance level for me. Um, with my oldest son, it was seven months old and he was still waking up a couple times a night for either his pacifier or like he wanted like one or two ounces, not even like a real feeding. And I just remember looking at my husband being like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't keep waking up this many times a night. So I think it's just, um, you know, a personal decision when you, you know, want to make the changes. And I also work with newborns so that the families can lay the foundation from the beginning to avoid any sleep issues so that you don't have to, you know, quote unquote, sleep train. I don't really like that term because it has a negative connotation that you're just leaving the baby to cry and that's not what it is at all. Um, so you know, you can work to establish those good sleep habits from the very beginning to, you know, not have any issues. And then it's just a variety from there, you know, just when they're ready to make that change and get their child sleeping through the night or maybe just one feeding is appropriate for them. Or, you know, even like a toddler that gets out of bed a bunch of times or is having bedtime resistance or even another um 
popular situation that I encounter is co-sleeping. So parents that no longer want to co-sleep anymore with their child and they don't know how to go about making that transition. So that's something, you know, that I work with a lot as well. So how old is, we've spent the majority, you know, pretty much all of our time talking about infants. Um, Like what are some, like when should a child be, independently going to bed or you know those sorts of like not independent like with I'm, I'm trying to think of like how old should you be when mom and dad can just say okay it's time for bed and then like do your thing do your thing and then they can come in and maybe read the story or those sorts of do not say nine months because I don't <laughs> definitely not nine months. <laughs> go walk up to your crib um... climb up <laughs> on the child um but probably not until they're closer to elementary school really i mean because you're gonna have to help little kids brush their teeth and those kind of things you know they're gonna want that security and it's it's nice one-on-one time at the end of the day for a parent too Mm -hmm. to carve out that time with your child where you know you're not on your phone there's no tv you're just spending that you know solid one-on-one good interaction with your child so i think being involved in the bedtime routine is always important as long as the child, you know, isn't too cool for you to be hanging out with them like that. So I think it's, I think it's good for the relationship at any age. And, and so, um, for someone, for parents to see a specialist, a sleep specialist, is it something that they could even do like before they believe things are getting bad or bad habits are forming? Is this um, something where they can easily find or should reach out? You always say um, go to a counselor before things get bad because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good for you. Is this um, like what would you recommend? So I think if you have a newborn or a baby that's you know two months younger and you want to, you know, avoid any sleep problems. Like a lot of second time parents are very interested because they had, you know, a poor sleeping first child. So they want to avoid that at all costs. So if you do that in the first, you know, two months, um, otherwise, if you follow tips like this, um, you don't, you won't really need it then. Like if you can establish those good routines and those good sleep habits, um, then you might be able to just do it on your own and not need help. People that come to me, it's either, you know, the very young baby to prevent the problems or they're already having issues and they need help fixing them. How many times does someone have to come to you? Like, is this like I sit down, have one conversation with you? No. So sleep is complex. So I don't, um, my packages are two to three weeks, uh, depending on the child's age. The older they are, usually the more support the family needs. Um, so how it works is um, I start with a free 15-minute phone call, and anybody can sign up for that. There's you know, no pressure, no obligation to purchase anything. It's just a chance for us to chat about what's going on with your child. If I can fix it simple in 15 minutes, like Matt said, like should I replace a pacifier or not? You know, We just have a quick discussion about that. And, you know, that's it. Um, If it's more complex, then I explain um, how I can benefit your family and how we can solve these sleep challenges. Um, Then it's a comprehensive evaluation of your whole routine, your whole day, your whole night. And then I make a customized sleep plan. Um, 
And then it's a 30 to 60 minute private consultation where we go over all the ins and outs of the sleep plan. Um, and then it's scheduled follow-up phone calls and unlimited emails um, for those two to three weeks so that it's constant support. Um, you know, a question pops up, anything that you're not, you know, left to figure it out on your own. You always have somebody there guiding it, making changes as needed um, to their plan. I can only imagine there's a lot of questions. Yeah. When you said unlimited <laughs> questions, I don't know if you saw my hands. I was like, <laughs> I bet there's a lot. My, he's sleeping like this now. He's doing this. I can only imagine. Yes. But they have their, the plan has, you know, your guidelines. So, yeah. um, and then the phone calls, you know, after the first night, there's always a phone call the next morning so that we can see how it went, evaluate it, make any changes and, and move on to naps. And <laughs> if someone listening wanted to, to get in touch with you, what's the best way? What, what are your best platforms to get in yeah, touch? So my, my website is kdsleepconsulting.com and you can book um, your free 15 minute phone call on there. Um, I'm also on Instagram, which is kdsleepconsulting as well. And then Facebook um, is Katie DeMonico Sleep Consulting. So any of those, you can send me a message or my website has the direct link to book the, the phone call. Very cool. Well, I want to thank you for this 50-minute uh, uh, consultation with me. Uh, this is fantastic. <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, this is great. You blew my mind. Um, I'm sure there's just so many things that we don't think about when it comes to our kids and proper sleep. Um, so thank you for sharing your tips and your, um, your, um, your expertise with us on the podcast. Thank you very much for your time and joining us on this episode. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, hopefully we'll have you again if we didn't scare you off too much. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Of course not. I'd love to. And All then right. we can tackle your sleep habits. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell me about snoring? No, <laughs> I don't snore. I don't snore. I do, not actually. Yet. Yeah. Well, right. thank you. And so I think this was a heck of an episode. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I you had, like, several, like, mind-blowing moments. So did I, really. Like, that whole thing about the... Uh, you know, like leaving like information about like sleep or it being a pattern that um, anyone can sort of carry out. Like Never would have thought about that. Yeah. I mean, not like we plan anything that's difficult, but yeah, the slightest of changes could really freak, you know, mess them up or make the kids freak out, especially if we're not home. Yeah. So I get it. Um, but I'm really glad that that she was on. This is a good one. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great. And and we hope that you enjoyed it. Let us know. Shoot us an email at the dadasspodcast at gmail .com. Drop us a line. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook again at the dadasspodcast. And um, until next time, stay strong, dadass.